one of my general principles of homiletics is that longer gospels should get shorter homilies. We'll see if it works out that way, won't we? Today's gospel gives us three parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Most people tend to take these parables at face value, and I always think that's a mistake. Parables aren't simple, pious stories designed to teach a moral lesson. Parables are stories with either a twist at the end or some kind of outrageous hyperbole designed to completely overturn our expectations and to shake loose a new way of thinking about our relationship with God. And that is certainly the case with the first two parables from today's gospel. If you are a shepherd in charge of watching a hundred sheep and one wanders off, you don't leave the 99 unguarded looking for the unlucky one. That is crazy talk. You count your blessings that you've lost only one. A 1% loss is completely acceptable. I'd be willing to go up to 10%. If you're a woman who's lost a coin, which the scholars of the scriptures tell us in this case is a coin worth about a dime, when you find it, you don't blow a fortune on a party to celebrate. That would be ridiculous. And that's the point of these parables. That is the kind of ridiculous, extravagant love that God has for us and the lengths that God will go to to seek us out when we are lost. The prodigal son parable works in much the same way. If this had been a simple, pious story, the runaway son would have gotten what he deserved. End of story. But that's not the way it ends. When the son comes to his senses and returns home, the father runs out to greet him on the road, which means that the father had been watching for his return. He'd been waiting for him. And when he greets him, he doesn't ask him a single question. Not, where have you been? Not, what did you do with my money? Not even, how could you treat me this way? Instead, the father orders a celebration. Obviously, not everyone was happy to see the prodigal son return. His brother is furious, but notice what the father says to him. You're with me always, and everything I have is yours. The father's mercy on the younger son does not diminish his love for the faithful son. God's mercy and compassion are not a zero-sum game. It's not a competition for the father's love. Justice for the older son does not require punishment for the younger son. The word prodigal means extravagant or wasteful. So maybe this story should be called the prodigal father because it's not really about the son, it's about the father who is so extravagant with his love that to his faithful son it even appears to be wasteful. All three of these stories are intended to lead us to reflect on the extravagant love that our God has for us. 
When we are lost, God searches for us longer and more tenaciously than we have any reason to expect. And when we are found again, we are welcomed without reservation, without conditions, and without hesitation. This past week marked the 18th anniversary of the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. And those were events that left a lot of us feeling lost, those old enough to remember. Some people were physically lost, lost to us forever, but all of us lost our sense of security. We lost our expectations for the future and were left with unfocused feelings that the world has changed in ways that we are still struggling to understand. It might be tempting to respond like the people of Israel in the desert who feared that they were lost because they feared that God had abandoned them. In their desperation and in their fear, they made a new God for themselves. But as Moses reminded both God and his people, they had an enduring covenant. They were not abandoned. And if they would only turn back to God who loved them, they would find their promised land. Fear makes us do awful things. It can make us turn protectively inward instead of reaching out in mercy and compassion. Fear can make us blame whole groups of people for the actions of just a few. And when we are afraid, we can set up all kinds of false gods, Suspicion, tyranny, racism, blame, despair, even genocide. The intent of terrorism is always to force us to live in fear, to put aside our courage and allow ourselves to be paralyzed. Fear keeps us isolated and provides a rationale for surveillance and for the surrender of our liberties. Fear whispers to us that the world is different now when we are never safe and any protective measures are justifiable. But those whispers are only true if we decide to live in fear. You can understand why when the risen Christ appeared to his disciples, the first thing he always says is, don't be afraid. Because fear and faith cannot coexist. Jesus constantly reminds us to choose to live with faith and to set aside our fear. And I think that's something important for us to consider in the face of evil, insecurity, and grief, and in times when people feel lost in so many ways. This is a time for us to remember that we are also people in covenant with our God and nothing can separate us from that love. When you're feeling lost or afraid, turn back to God who is already searching for you. One lost sheep, one missing coin, one runaway child. All of these are of infinite value to God who loves us and searches for us and rejoices when we return to him.